You're listening to the Diet Rebel Podcast with Kiki Smith. If you're a woman who hates the idea of having to choose between loving your body and changing it, then you are a diet rebel and this podcast is for you. In this podcast, we talk about everything from loving your body exactly as it is now to becoming the most fit, lean, and toned you've ever been, no matter how old you are, how many tiny humans you've birthed, or how many times you've lost and regained the same 15 or 50 pounds. Seriously, you don't wanna miss it. So grab a snack, preferably protein-based, and sit back and enjoy this episode. I love fad diets. <laughs> and it's such a, such a weird statement that I feel like I can never say without having, you know, like a whole explanation behind it because either people think that I'm saying it for the wrong reasons or they're just like completely shocked by it. So this is actually something that came up recently. I was talking to a room full of trainers and I said this statement and it's just always hilarious how like a hush falls over the crowd. Like, what did she just say? what I think she said because of the fact that obviously I am always someone who's speaking up against fad diets and teaching about how fad diets, you know, like all of the negatives about fad diets, you know, they're always typically on the receiving end of criticism from me. So when I make a kind of, you know, tongue in cheek devil's advocate statement of but I love fad diets. It's usually something that is caused for a little bit more explanation. Like people are like, explain, please, Kiki. So this came up during a topic the other day. And like I said, kind of there was this like hush falls over the crowd moment. And, you know, I'm like, does anybody else feel me? Like, do you understand what I'm saying? And after a while, a couple of, you know, trainers started speaking up, you know, they were like, oh, well, I, I do too, because they keep us in business. Like, is that why? Because of the fact that like, as long as there's fad diets, so there's kind of that conversation of like, well, as long as fad diets are around, you know, people will always need us because of the fact that fad diets will always fail you, right? Like if you're constantly seeking and going after fads and then they fail you, then you still need help. So like, yes, there is this kind of underlying thing in the fitness industry where especially the people that are teaching fads or, you know, the popularity of fads means that the, the diet industry, the fitness industry does remain a whatever billion dollar industry at this point. But that wasn't the reason why I was saying it. Although, I mean, I guess that is a reason. It means that, you know, that room full of trainers will never be without a job because of the fact that people will always still need help. But that wasn't why I was saying it. So I like to go into a little bit more explanation and typically once I explain it you know especially to newer trainers who are like I say usually they're like just hopping on the bandwagon of like oh my gosh fads are so bad we need to like help and teach people and get people off of these fad diets and help them change their lives around and you know like we're usually trying to crush all the myths that fads have introduced into society and that's a big part of what I do is you know constantly addressing the myths and most of those myths are perpetuated from different trendy fad things that enter but this is something that whenever I'm talking to more uh, seasoned fit pros or people who have just people that have been living a very 
a healthy lifestyle for long periods of time, like let's say like decades, uh, they usually, even though like the, the first layer of that statement is kind of like, uh, no, I'm 100% anti-fads because they don't last. When we dig underneath it, they also see how it has benefited them. So let me explain a little bit of kind of what I discussed with this group and why I have these, you know, mixed emotions towards fad diets. So before I begin, let me reiterate, I am not saying that anyone should be chasing down a fad diet. Fad diets will still often and possibly always receive more criticism from me than anything else. But this is something that I just like to bring up just to, you know, kind of open the conversation up and to help you to understand because of the fact that so many women, when they do find out they come to this journey, you know, or just period when your eyes are finally open to the fact that I've been believing all these lies about weight loss and the way that I've been going about weight loss has actually been taking me deeper and deeper down the hole and sending me on this never ending, you know, wild loose chase that keeps the diet industry a billion dollar industry and keeps people, you know, promoting the very things that are making things worse. That part I always want to expose. But what I find happens with clients or with women, you know, especially when they start getting into, like I say, late 40s, early 50s, maybe even late 30s, when they realize all of these lies they believe, they begin to really like condemn themselves and have all this guilt and shame around. I can't believe I believed all this for so long. And then there's all these mixed emotions where they can't actually move forward because part of them is so upset with themselves that They've allowed themselves to believe the lie for that long, but also a lot of them then have a hard time. We have that kind of that sunken cost bias where because we've been doing it for so long, we kind of want to turn a blind eye to it because if like if we step into the arena of acknowledging, believing and receiving the fact that these things that I have believed in the past were wrong. Like our brain doesn't like to be proven wrong. Our ego doesn't like to be proven wrong. And it makes it really hard to change because if I accept that the way that I'm doing it now is wrong, then that means I have to change something. And this is so deeply embedded that I don't want to change. So understand first and foremost, that there's always that kind of psychological factor to why we either will continue doing something when we know that it's wrong or, you know, we we don't want to admit that it's wrong in the first place. So because of that kind of shame uh, cycle and spiral that I see so many women go on, that's why I want to open up this bigger conversation of how even if you've spent 10, 20, 30 years of following fads, uh, how they do still benefit all of us in some way. So, you know, whether it's from the lessons learned or other benefits. So kind of want to talk about the, the bright side of fat diets, so to speak, and how they have been still helping you all along to get to where you want to be, even if it seems like this realization has just put you light years away from actually reaching your goal. So, you know, when I'm talking about fat diets, obviously, We've all heard of fad diets. Maybe you have, you know, a harder time pinpointing what exactly is a fad. But, you know, so there's the extreme versions, whether we're thought like cabbage soup diet or the, you know, grapefruit diet or different cleanses and all these different things that, you know, promise like 
miraculous weight loss and boundless energy, you know, and things like that. So we could be talking about something very extreme like that, like, you know, the throwing eggs in a blender and just drinking those, or we could be talking about some fast shakes or, you know, intermittent fasting, keto, low carb Atkins. So there's so many variations, like from the newer ones that kind of may come to mind now. And then there's obviously the ones that are very extreme that maybe you completely dismiss because you know, they're fad diets. So there's fad diets that you know are fad diets. And then there are fad diets that you don't know they're fad until they've gone out of trend. <laughs> so once they've trended out, then you look back and realize like, oh, that was crazy that we were doing that. You know, like the low fat craze didn't seem trendy until we were out of it, you know, for a lot of people or low sugar, things like that. So when I'm talking about fads, we're talking about the full spectrum of diets and eating styles that are trending. So sometimes things that you don't think are fat, paleo, carnivore, uh, vegan, vegetarianism, all of different things like trend at some point in time, styles of eating tend to trend. So that creates all of these different bandwagons, basically. So while what I'm saying first and foremost is not saying that we need to jump on any particular bandwagon, we can actually stop and take a moment to appreciate some of the unintended consequences um, that these trends have, but also some of the unintended, you know, pros that they benefit us. So one of the biggest that I usually look at, you know, when I'm making, trying to make a quick case for why diets have been good. The biggest one for me that I feel has helped with, uh, with myself, with clients, with being able to push the good side of the fitness and nutrition industry forward is that fad diets really do create innovation. So when we're looking in the fitness industry, the food industry more specifically, fad diets push manufacturers and restaurants, you know, and recipe inventors to innovate, you know? And so because of that, that constantly offers us new products or menu options that can cater to specific dietary restrictions or food preferences. So, you know, fad diets can really act as a catalyst for culinary creativity because of the fact that when you have something that kind of sweeps the nation like that, whether people are looking at it from a marketing standpoint or the fact that because all the people following the trend are feeling so strongly about it and pretty much demanding it everywhere they go, it really forces manufacturers and restaurants and, you know, all these different culinary outlets and even people in science labs that are creating food to really think outside of the box. So suddenly we find ourselves like inundated with just an array of like all these new like products and menu options that are specifically tailored to these dietary needs, whether they are real or imagined. So, you know, when you look at it from that perspective, Sometimes these things are cultivating, you know, preferences in people. Sometimes they're cultivating a very temporary movement, but sometimes they actually are forcing the food industry to adjust and actually make options for people who have needed it for a very long time. Gluten-free options were something that people that were suffering from celiac needed for 
decades, but it wasn't until the push of the style of eating becoming more trendy that now suddenly all of these options were available to them. So whereas, you know, when you talk to someone who truly does have an allergy to gluten, they are so grateful for the trend in the way that it has helped shift their food options, even if their initial gut reaction is sometimes anger as well. There are people that have true gluten allergies that get irritated by the fact that their um, way of eating, their disease, their affliction became a trend for other people. And then you have people who can't differentiate between, you know, gluten intolerance, a non-gluten preference, and an actual gluten allergy. So the growth of that the the awareness of it actually meant that more gluten-free options swept the planet and suddenly these people who had maybe two to three options or you know these parents of children that were suffering from an actual disease were you know being mad scientists in their kitchen trying to find things that made their children you know be able to eat in a way that's satisfy them nutritionally but also didn't make them feel like completely isolated from society and that was something that they were really struggling with for a very long time and then as the trend of gluten-free swept the globe suddenly these parents had more options or these people who were children that are now adults actually had more options people that may have grown up with zero options or very limited you know meal options suddenly had a lot more so to me, that is one of the biggest blessings of fad diets is the way that they're able to help our society, even these smaller populations of society who do truly need this thing to have more options. So it really does benefit them in that way. Now, along with that, then we start to see how the people that are that don't necessarily have gluten intolerance or allergies are still given these new options it gets the people got creative all of a sudden so you know we start having these experiments with cauliflower and spirulina and things like that so when you look at the, all of the different trends and crazes. So like when we look at like the low carb craze of like the early 2000s, that birthed this, you know, all these innovative carb alternatives. So cauliflower becomes pizza crust, zucchini becomes noodles, you know, almond flour, it starts to be in like every baked good. We start realizing that we can milk nuts <laughs> and we can turn, you know, all of these different types of vegetables and nuts and legumes, you know, and beans into watery substances that can be used as milk substitutes. So again, you have people that may have had legit intolerances now have way more options, but also people that needed, you know, different, a variety of options to be able to uh, have that eating in moderation lifestyle, it expanded for them. So even though now, you know, but we may not be like as deep into that version of the low carb that came out in the early 2000s, these constant reiterations of low carb phases 
get more and more and more creative and the food tastes better and better and better and better. They're coming up with actual alternatives that taste good, whereas back in the day, a lot of the alternatives for those that have been eating healthily for a while, a lot of health food alternatives were pretty disgusting, but people just may do because their health was so important to them. So now we have all these creative options. So, you know, vegan vegetarianism is, you know, the resurgence of that every time it comes around, we get better and better options. So even though there may be, it may be trendy or a fad for some people to, you know, promote plant-based eating, as a result, restaurants, grocery stores have all of these like meatless options now. This is some, this is a good thing. It doesn't mean that everyone needs to be 100% plant-based, 100% low carb, 100% gluten-free. It just means that now there are options. So now you have, you know, Beyond Burgers and Jackfruit Tacos and all of these things so that even if you are a carnivore, you still have these plant-based indulgences that you can try out. And that's something that I always tell my clients when they're like, should I be more plant-based? And I, we had an episode about this a few weeks ago about like, you can still be a plant-based carnivore, if that makes any sense, because now there are more options. So for years, you know, people thought the only way to eat vegetables was the way that maybe their grandma served them. And if they didn't like them that way, they just took the stance of, I don't like vegetables. And now there's so many options for meat eaters to increase their plant intake, which is a good, good thing. And, you know, like, so even when we're looking at things like superfoods and all of those, like being able to see more of these exotic fruits and vegetables and acai berries and kale and chia seeds and all these things that used to be like really like obscure, they, when they gain that superstar status because of the fact that they're inside of, you know, this magazine article, or they're on a Netflix special, that even when the hype dies down, their existence is now there. So the hype dies, but they continue to still be an option for us. So that's the best thing about it. Unlike, you know, maybe if when we're talking about trendy clothes, when high rise and low rise jeans go in and out of style suddenly that thing is harder to find it is the opposite with food when food trends sweep the nation often even after the trend subsides there is this residue of it which has expanded our palate more and more and more and more so even if people aren't paying a ton of attention to superfoods, now you have all these like smoothie places popping up and all these salad places popping up that have these superfoods in them because now once people have been exposed to it, even if they're no longer on the fad, maybe especially those people who are really in it for the long term for health and moderation, they like the fact that they now have this new thing that they can add. So it becomes this buffet for the person who's eating healthy in moderation because of the fact that you're getting more and more and more options for eating healthy. It's making eating healthy so much easier than it was in the past. So hopefully that's what you're seeing from that. From like so that is always my biggest point is that whether we're talking about something extreme or not, the fact that we have 
lower fat options out there for people who need them or for people that are more into kind of watching their macros, you have options for ways to be able to like make your macros work and not feel like you're missing out on a lot. So, you know, even something as extreme as like whatever sugar detoxes and salt-free diets, they still prompt this reevaluation of our relationship with these specific, you know, flavor enhancers, basically. So in response to it, manufacturers meet the demand. And like I say, whether it is from a marketing standpoint or a pure supply and demand standpoint, because the masses are flooding the manufacturer saying, we need this, we need this, we need this, or the person is, you know, that manufacturer, their food is becoming less popular because of the fact that people are switching. It forces them to start offering whatever, reduced sugar, lower sodium alternatives and all these things. So basically it's easier than ever to indulge with less guilt or, you know, being able to maneuver things in a way that we never could before, just even 10, 20 years ago, we couldn't. So that is my biggest, biggest plus that I see for fad diets. Now, other things that are really good about fad diets, one that kind of plays into that is just an increased awareness overall is something that I find very beneficial from it because fad diets, as I was saying with the example of, you know, with celiac or with uh, diabetes type one or type two, or when we're talking about, you know, like high blood pressure, things like that, high cholesterol, in the past, there'd be like one or two food options for these things. If you went to the doctor and they're like, your cholesterol's high, eat Cheerios, you know, or something like that. Like there were these like few and far between options, whereas now that is not the case. So the fact that fads increase our awareness of certain things, I think is really beneficial. So, you know, they raise awareness about all these different dietary patterns about the potential effects that different things can have on their health it, about, you know, basically it just prompts us all to become more food conscious, uh, more like conscious of the choices that we're making in our food. So even though like the actual fad diet itself can contribute to the problem, because if you switch 100% to the fad, now you're just stuck on that and you're not having variety. When you look at it from this good perspective, okay, now it's raised your awareness to the fact that like, yes, if I am going crazy on, you know, sodium all day, every day, maybe my blood pressure is going to be higher. And there are things that I can do to regulate that. Maybe if I am only eating whatever corn all the time, I'll develop an allergy to it. And I need to have some variety in my diet. So that's one of the things that I was saying, especially like when it comes to the awareness of people that have actual issues that need it. So for the person who is, you know, epileptic and needs to be on a keto diet, that raises the awareness and gives them more options. So when diet trends make headlines, it just prompts us all to dive a little bit deeper and helps people that do actually have, you know, even if the percentage is very low, it does help the people who have been seeking to figure out what's wrong with them to find out what that is, but also it helps them to then have options for still being a functioning, happy part of society without feeling like this thing that they just discovered about themselves now excludes them from life as they known it. So 
that is the second big one. So the first one is the amount of food options that it shifts. The second one is the increased awareness. The third one that I would say is that, you know, it may not seem like it because it depends on the fad. So this isn't going to be all inclusive of every fad diet, but with these trends, you know, there are some fad dyes that emphasize like whole foods and fruits and vegetables and stuff like that. So the ones like there's certain fads that like I'm not a huge fan of like whole 30 or something like that, but they do have good parts to them. So that is the thing is that nothing is all good or all bad. Remember, we don't we don't have black and white thinking. So a lot of fad diets encourage whole foods they encourage fruits they encourage vegetables and that is an encouragement in healthy eating overall so when you're adding those things so like we talked about with like plant-based eating or something like that so even though there is like this chaos this chaotic soup of fads and trends there's still typically a little glimmer of nutritional wisdom in all of them. That's typically how they spread is they take that little glimmer and they explode it and make it, you know, more marginal than it. it's actually very marginal, but they make it to seem like it's a bigger deal. Like this one tiny thing is going to make this huge difference. So they're taking something marginal and they make it big. But the thing is when they shine that spotlight on it, on the importance of whole foods, on the importance of fruits and vegetables, you know, while Maybe we don't need to be eating 100% raw. The fact that maybe a raw food diet introduced people to actually enjoying the taste of certain raw vegetables, like that's a great thing. When you have these opportunities to experiment and try recipes of things that are these healthy, nutritious foods, that's not a bad thing. It's just the fact that when we get very self-righteous about it or very orthorexic about it, that it can take a nasty turn. But eating more whole foods, eating more fruits and vegetables, encouraging people to have more nourishing options in their daily diet. You know, like when we look at the fact that kale went from being a garnish to a superfood, like that's showing that, yes, it was a slightly absurd trend, but it got more people to include some kale into their diet. Maybe they weren't doing it before. And like I said, then maybe it lingered a little bit afterwards and came up with these new and exciting ways to be able to eat that specific food or superfood or whatever it is. So bad diets do, some of them <laughs> encourage healthy eating. It's just that they may not always be having you eat enough, which can obviously be an issue. So so that would be the third one is the healthy eating. The fourth one that I would say, which kind of takes a step away from the eating side. So the first three are definitely geared more towards eating. The fact that, you know, manufacturers and restaurants and, you know, the food industry has to shift with each new trend. And then the second one being, you know, that there's now this awareness around eating, eating healthy, the types of food, the different people need to eat that have different eating preferences but also the fact that you know like some people have actual diseases where they need to eat differently and that increases all of our awareness around that the third one is also that encouragement of healthy eating in general the fourth thing I would say though that I notice about trends that I wish that a lot of the more moderate communities would adapt or take on 
or people that eat in moderation would take on is the level of community support. So it's, again, it's one of those, these are all things that are actually the negatives of fat diets. So obviously if I was flipping this in reverse, like all of these things are the reasons why fat diets can be horrible, you know, and for you, but these are the things that if we take them and place them into an actual healthy lifestyle, they would be beneficial. So a lot of fad diets create these communities. So like trends, the reason why they get so trendy is because they come in waves and you have these bandwagons, everybody jumps on the bandwagon and everyone that's on the bandwagon feels this community, you know, they feel like family, they feel like we're taking on the world. It's this like cult-like feel and then everyone outside of the cult is bad. So it's one of those things like that's why it can hurt. But when we look at what's actually happening there is you have these communities of like-minded people that provide support and motivation and resources for each other's health journeys. They, they're supportive on that journey. Whereas a lot of times the people that are actually doing things the, you know, quote unquote, right way, the people that are actually doing it in the healthiest way possible are often like lone rangers because of the fact that the fad diets have the cult factor on lock. It's really hard to develop that cult factor around having things in moderation because of the fact that there's no, there aren't all the strict guidelines that fads have. So when you're on a trendy fad diet, your do's and don'ts are so clear that it helps everyone to know if you're a part of this community. It helps everyone to know, are you one of us? Because like, oh no, you just ate bread. You're not a part of our carb-free lifestyle. Like you just had grains or you just ate this. Nope, you're out of here. If you're in a vegan community and you eat dairy, you're not a vegan anymore. If you're in a vegetarian community and you eat meat, you are no longer part of that community. So it makes it very easy for anyone to know whether they are a part of that community or not and then it helps everyone in the community to be able to support each other to be able to have these you know success stories that they're swapping and know that they're following each other on social media you know it's, there's a ongoing <laughs> joke about uh vegans in particular right? I say vegan or vegetarian like how do you know someone is a vegan they'll tell you <laughs> So it's kind of one of those things is that like, there's such a pride around it that you all, they all see each other, they attract each other, they come to each other's support and rescue. And it's funny because a big part of why they're doing it is like, we're alone in this cold card world that only caters to people that do all of the opposite things. When in reality, they have more strength than the people that are outside of it because of the fact that you have this like tight knit community of kindred spirits. So like I said, you notice each other on social media, you have the right hashtags to make you follow each other, or you are talking about it in a restaurant or you're in a restaurant that's geared specifically towards that thing, or you're in an online forum or whatever the case may be. So when you have these identifiers that show that you're a part of this community you guys have these this family-like state where you would support each other and you have this sense of camaraderie and people need that 
on their fat loss journey. You need camaraderie. You need support. You need motivation. You need people to share and understand the highs and lows of the journey that you're on. And because when you're doing something that's a little more like catered to you, a little more like everyone in it is an individual, but we're still kind of sort of on the same journey, that's a much harder to define. So when you look at a community like the Eat More to Way Less community or any community that kind of focuses more on moderation, even within the community, there's still all of these lone rangers because of the fact that everyone is still kind of on their own journey. So when you are someone who understands that you need to be eating enough, that you need to be, you know, hitting your macros or you need to be like all of these things because even within that it's individualized so what's working for you you're accepting is not working for someone else it can be harder to have that same camaraderie that you have when you're saying we're both doing the exact same thing we're both eating the same way it's the reason why especially women thrive in these cult-like communities and why it's so hard for them to do it on their own it's so hard when someone embarks on a journey to finally like okay i'm not gonna just hop on every trend because these trends have hurt me overall they've had me eating less they had me losing muscle like so even when you realize all those things it's really hard to then find a community that understands you and supports you and it's hard for you to lean in and talk to other people because of the fact that you feel like you're doing it alone you feel like they don't actually understand you because maybe they're on a completely different part of the journey and it's why so many women even when they're trying to do things right, they actually hold themselves back because they're waiting for someone in their lives to do it with them. It's why women, when they go on diets, they want something, they want someone to join them. But the best way to have somebody to join you is like, here's the plan that we're going to follow. Let's do this plan together. Let's both cut out meat together. Let's cut out sugar together. Let's all, you know, do these workouts together. So it's when things are clear cut and defined, it's much easier to rally the troops to get people to come with you on the journey. And because women thrive so much on that support, and especially as we get older and we're already starting to like really feel alone because maybe the things that we've been doing, we've been dedicating our lives to kind of serving others and being there for others and putting others first that when we do finally go on this journey to do something to improve ourselves it's a lot harder because there's no one else doing it with you and you can't even really define what you're doing and even if you did for that next person it would be a little bit harder for them as well because they would still be doing it different so that's something that I really admire about fad diet communities although I don't again I'm not saying that I recommend these things I'm just saying there's something to them that we can adapt and it's one of the reasons why I even created communities that was one of the very first things that I did with eat more to weigh less was just try to create communities to help people rally behind this and that was one of the quickest things that I found was that women still struggle even within those communities because of this fact because of the fact that they're doing something that maybe the other people in the community aren't doing and you don't get the same type of support of seeing someone that's following the path the exact way that you're doing it and seeing the results. And that's because they can't follow the exact path because your path is your path. So the community support is definitely something that the fad diet industry has on lock. It's just that as the trend fades, so does the community fade. And then that 
we are seeking that high again of community. And so that's why we keep seeking the next bad because of the fact that as the bad dies down, there's not as much community. They are rallying behind you on that thing. So you want to go and jump on the next bandwagon and get all of those, you know, feelings and dopamine hits all over again. So that would be another huge one is the community support. The fifth one that I would say, and probably won't harp on this one too much because it's something that obviously people that are in the, you know, science and research community do understand this a little bit more, but something that's worth pointing out is the fact that fat diets, you know, believe it or not, they fuel scientific curiosity. So as a particular diet starts to gain traction, researchers like then they're spurred into action they they get eager it gives them something to do like okay so now we want to uncover its efficacy and and the potential health benefits and so when any new fad diet starts to really really take hold and sweep after a while you know people start demanding answers of is this good bad or in between and so because usually a fad comes from one person who took a very like we talked about that glimmer of hope they take a a little snippet of research and turn a marginal gain into something much bigger than it needs to be then you have other scientists coming in to either prove or disprove the theories. And so that is kind of what the science community gets off on. So it just starts this flurry of research. And that research is amazing because then what happens is that starts to, that contributes to our evolving understanding of nutrition overall. So it really, you know, can start to shed light on the complex interplay of diet and health and there's so many nuances like we talk about a lot here on the show that being able to have that interplay being able to more thoroughly understand the nuances it helps push science forward it helps push our understanding of how the human body works it helps push our understanding of biology you know and physiology and how those are associated for it and it helps us like I said in the beginning to really better understand different um, diseases and different body types and different you know and discover things that maybe we didn't know before so the fact that it does push research and development forward I think is actually a huge benefit of fat diets so it's kind of like other aspects of science so when you look at like a science lab for instance where maybe animals are being tested or where they're using like rats to understand how humans behave it's that's kind of the catch-22 of what fads diets do so it's it's like a human experiment where scientists are then able to gather and conduct research like i said it could be looked at as good or bad because basically that's what we're looking at is bad diets and everyone who jumps on that bandwagon actually is kind of like a lab rat in a lot of ways they they jump on the diet and the result that comes from it starts to contribute to the research and it shifts and more research comes from out of it so if you look at it from that perspective that kind of shows you how research and development are pushed forward from bad diets so the main thing that I hope hope that you're getting from all of this is the fact that bad diets the benefit if there is one is that the increased research 
into their effectiveness, into the potential health effects, good or bad, harmful health benefits, good health benefits. It contributes to the scientific understanding of nutrition. But the like biggest gift is the realization that extreme measures are really sustainable. <laughs> so it's that's one of the things that we're getting from it. It helps us to actually embrace moderation. So the more fad diets that come and go, the more we actually can embrace moderation, the more so whereas a lot of people that it creates a lot of dis dissonance in them. It creates a lot of doubt in them and self-doubt. And I did things wrong before and I don't understand what to believe. And all this research is conflicting. That is kind of the good part about it is that as the pendulum keeps swinging from one extreme to the next, you know, more and more people are starting to realize and embrace you know, the mantra of everything in moderation. So it really starts to shed a light on the fact that we don't need to be confined to these rigid dietary rules, that we can enjoy a balanced approach to eating, you know, when we keep and continue to embrace all of the remnants that the fad diets leave behind. So it's actually exposing dietary restriction for what it really is, because the more fads that come, the more we realize, well, that didn't work, that didn't work, that didn't work. That's not a bad thing. If anything, it's giving you more and more proof about why moderation is needed. And it's giving you more and more resources for moderation. So eating a balanced, having that balanced approach to the way that you're going about your weight loss journey and having space for indulgences without derailing your goals is a huge silver lining. So that is actually the glimmer of hope. That is why I love bad diets, quote unquote, I'm doing air quotes. That's why I love them because of the fact that, you know, those things that I mentioned, when they're done in and of themselves, only focusing on the fad diet those can be very, very, very negative aspects. But when you spin them and look at how they're affecting the bigger picture, you just start to see how like, okay, yes, let's continue to approach fad diets with a healthy dose of skepticism. <laughs> but recognize that there's probably something in every new fad diet that is going to benefit you. So my ears are always perked up when some new fad hits because of the fact that I'm like, hmm, I'm going to try that thing out and see how it is. So when, you know, for every cauliflower crust, you know, success story, yes, there's a cautionary tale about these, you know, the unsustainable habits and potential health risks. So if almond milk hits the scene, I am grateful that now there is another version of liquid that I can add to my repertoire. Oh, I can try smoothies with this, or I can try cereal with that, or I can taste a little bit of my coffee and see how it works. That doesn't, it never means to switch 100% to that. So whenever something new comes up, I look at it as something that I can add to my repertoire, not something that's going to replace everything in my repertoire. Every new milk that comes on the scene gives you variety so that it actually decreases the chances of you experiencing lactose intolerance. So a lot of people that are lactose intolerant, 
could probably have dairy in moderation now because of the fact that you have alternatives for all of the time. So it doesn't mean you can't have cereal every day. You can have a different type of milk in your cereal every day and have less allergic or, you know, reactions to it because of the fact or less intolerant reactions to it because of the fact that you have so many options. So whereas before, one of the biggest things that I hated about fad diets was that they contributed to the intolerances. But when you look at it on the broad spectrum, the only way that they would contribute to the intolerances is if you get on the bandwagon. But if you just look at the bandwagon and pick and choose what you need and how you can add that to your current way of eating, then that is actually helping you rather than hurting you. So as we continue to you know navigate the ever-changing landscape of all these dietary trendy things, just keep your mind open, you know, keep your eyes wide open, keep your mind curious, keep your plate balanced, you know, and realize that every fad diet is kind of adding to the buffet of life. So it's increasing your buffet rather than chopping it down. So that is something that I feel is a huge benefit and it has made this style of eating easier than ever and as someone who has been teaching it for as long as I have that is something that I'm truly grateful for because I've been able to see clients that in the past that probably would have been hopeless cases because there was just nothing that could suit their taste buds now there's literally something for everyone and that's a wrap thank you so much for joining me for another episode and make sure you keep in touch so whether that's through dms or email i would love to know what you felt about this episode or if you have topics that you'd like me to cover in future episodes you can dm me on facebook at em2wl or over on instagram at eat more number two way less or via email at info at eatmortowayless.com. If you're completely new to the Eat More to Way Less process, you can also grab our quick start guide at eatmortowayless.com slash start. See you next time.